FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 818, you're listening to WGNS. Today, Friday, it is the 26th of August. We have a lot coming your way, a lot to cover this morning, including an update on the Walk to End Alzheimer's and the kickoff celebration for the walk where you can register for it will be held tomorrow, Saturday, at Old Fort Park. We'll get an update from Mike Gann, who has helped this Walk to End Alzheimer's for, well, almost 25 years. That's as long as the walk has been held in Murfreesboro each year. I believe 23 years total that walk has been going on. So we'll get an update from Mike Gann. Then we'll also find out about the Great Chase, which is, well, it's a, a fundraising effort. And the money raised by the Great Chase, this upcoming duck race they're going to have, goes to helping families who have children impacted by cancer and other terminal illnesses such as cancer. So we'll get an update on the great chase. And then also we'll be talking with JC Bowman this morning and we'll be talking to him about professional educators out there and a teacher shortage. So we'll learn all about those subjects and more this morning on WGNS. So make sure you stay with us throughout the morning this morning. Now, before we begin, one of our news stories of the day, unemployment figures have just been released. And here in Rutherford County, unemployment remains low at only 3.1%. And when you break down each city in Rutherford County, even lower numbers for Smyrna. Smyrna, for about the fourth time in a row, has the lowest unemployment rate in Rutherford County at 3%. Murfreesboro, they have an unemployment rate of 3.2%. Laverne's jobless rate, 3.3%. But again, Rutherford County's overall unemployment number for July, the most recent month to be released, 3.1%. So unemployment very low all throughout Rutherford County. So that's a positive, and we'll make sure to keep you up to date on that But again, unemployment very low in Rutherford County. Well, on this first segment, we're going to find out about the Great Chase Duck Race that is coming up. And you can be a part of that. Our guest, Steve Yates, in just a second. Hello, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. Don't let your dog be bored this fall. Come see us at Animal City for some of the best toys to keep them entertained and engaged. Come see us at Animal City and let our 32 years experience benefit you and your pets. Come check out our selection here at Animal City. We have freshwater, saltwater, corals, and more. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This morning we're talking with Steve Yates with The Great Chase, and Steve, a special event is coming up involving ducks. 
Tell us more about that. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. The Ducks are coming back to the pool at Borough Beach. We are hosting the first annual Great Duck Chase, Saturday, September 17th at 10 a.m. at Borough Beach, which uh, those of you familiar with that know that it's uh, on site there at Sportscom. Now, these are not real live ducks we're talking about here, right? No, th- this will be uh, plastic ducks. We're going to launch uh, down the slide at the Borough Beach Pool 5,000 ducks uh, that folks have purchased to help local families. All the proceeds from this event go to help local families whose children are battling life-limiting illnesses. So those ducks will come down the slide, enter the pool, and the first three ducks to reach the other side cash prizes will be awarded thousand dollars for first place five hundred dollars for second place two hundred fifty dollars for third place and we even award the slacker quacker it'll be the last duck who touches the wall we give something special hundred dollars to the last place finisher as well now the great chase it is a foundation that was started a number of years back but it's very personal to you to your wife but tell us more about the reason for starting the great chase Absolutely. We started The Great Chase back in 2014 in honor of my wife Jennifer's son, Chase. Chase died when he was 10 years old from Burkitt's lymphoma. And Chase's story is amazing. He, at 10 years old, thought about others more than himself. And he had an opportunity to receive a make-a-wish, and he decided to give that wish away. He gave it to his school, Walter Hill School here in Murfreesboro. And he wanted all the kids who came after him to have new gym equipment. And so the Nashville Predators partnered with Make-A-Wish and they awarded that to his school. And his legacy lives on. The gym there at Walter Hill is named after him. The highway, state highway in front of Walter Hill School is named after Chase. And so we pay it forward and we look for those opportunities to help families who find themselves in a similar situation, a very sick child, in some cases terminal, and we go support them, pay their light bills, their water bills. We can't do a lot of huge things, but we do a lot of little things with big love. Again, we're talking with Steve Yates and we're talking about the great Chase. Uh, Chase even took something tragic in his life and turned it into something amazing. He sure did. And and that's the legacy that inspires us. Uh, Really, his legacy lives on. He told his mom, just a couple of weeks before he passed away, he said, Mom, I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid I'll be forgotten. And so this great chase just carries his legacy forward and touches lives all over this community and really all over the country. I've traveled all over the country speaking on conferences and, and told Chase's story, and it just really resonates, you know, what I call H2H, that human-to-human aspect of looking for ways to help one another and just look for ways to lift each other up. The Great Duck Race is going to be at Sportscom's Outdoor Pool. What is the date for that again? It is Saturday, September the 17th. It starts at 10 a.m. It's going to be a fun-filled event. In addition to the Great Duck Chase, we're actually having a Jeep contest as part of that event. We're going to have Jeeps on site from every era. Uh, Those of you in the Jeep culture understand just how cool that is, and you understand the connection between ducks and Jeeps. And we're going to have a Jeep contest awarding for, you know, best Jeep from certain eras and also most tricked out Jeep, things like that. And we'll have a panel of judges to award that. And we'll also have food trucks on site, fun-filled events for all ages, face painting for the kids. It's a family event starting at 10 o'clock on Saturday, September 17th at Borough Beach. Going back to the young man who is behind all this, Chase, he was 10 years old when he passed away. And I'm sure you have had a chance to talk to 
different parents out there who have gone through similar battles. What kind of feedback have they given you over the years? Chase this story and as it connects to the families who are experiencing similar adversities, it just really resonates. And there's a bond there, Scott. And, you know, I get to experience it by extension. You know, Chase was not my son. He's my wife, Jennifer's son. But just seeing that bond among those families, it's an unfortunate bond in a way because of what unites them. But there's just that that connection that they have of really viewing the children for what they were. You know, Chase was a golden soul, as are all the children out there who, who suffer you know, unimaginable things and battle these illnesses that in some cases are terminal. But it's just a bond that unites them that I think the rest of us really can't fully understand. As a result of Chase deciding to take that make-a-wish and giving it back to his community, giving it back to Walter Hill School, have you seen other parents and other children do similar things since his passing? Yeah, it's a great question. Absolutely, we have. In fact, uh, at Walter Hill, his legacy lives on. Every year, the fifth grader who manifests the attributes that Chase lived, attributes of selflessness and thinking of other kids before himself, they award the Chase Donnell Award to the top fifth grader who manifests those attributes. We have to give credit to uh, Mrs. Melissa Powell, who's the gym teacher. She was Chase's gym teacher. She's still there. She carries his story forward, tells his story every year to inspire others. And yes, children will bring in their piggy banks and donate to the great Chase because they want to help others uh, because they are inspired by that legacy of selflessness that he that he showed. And again, money raised by the Great Chase organization that is going to help families who are going through similar circumstances where they have a child that's suffering from cancer, but it goes to further help them out. It absolutely does. You know, we're a grassroots 501c3. All of our net proceeds, every dime of our net proceeds go back into the community. So it's a total labor of love. And yes, we support those families where we can each year. And when we have our events, the Great Duck Chase in September, the Great Chase 5K in October, we look for families. We'll have families nominated and recommended to us whose children have those life-limiting or sometimes terminal illnesses. And we will bring them on site if they're able, and we take the proceeds and we will award them the proceeds from those events uh, to just encourage them, show them that there's lots of love coming their way and to support them along their journey. So when a family is going through something similar to what Chase went through, it takes a family to different places, maybe Labonner Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, maybe to Nashville for extended periods of time for surgery, for treatment. Those times are tough, I'm sure, on families, especially when they're trying to afford the cost of a hotel, when they're trying to afford meals out of town. Is that something else that the funds raised by the great Chase help? Absolutely, yes. Chase spent many months at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. So that's a place near and dear to his mom, Jennifer's, and, and our family's heart. And so she knows exactly how that feels. And yes, we have supported families who have had children that have had, you know, again, either life-limiting illnesses or accidents that have been on site at Vanderbilt, and, and we have covered their hotel rooms and, and, and meals and things like that as a direct uh, result of Chase's desire to help others. He saw so many others sick, just like himself, and he said, Mom, there's got to be something we can do, and this is what we do in his honor. And again, the great Chase, the duck race portion of it is coming up. It will be at Sportscom Outdoor Pool, which is called the Borough Beach. The date for that again, Steve? Saturday, September 17th. It'll kick off at 10 a.m., and we'll uh, be on site there till around 2 p.m. Lots of fun-filled activities, food, and positive energy to share, and look forward to meeting you and making new friends that day, along with the Jeep contest. Don't forget, you, uh, 
Jeep folks, we love to see you. Uh, you can go to our website, The Great Chase, or thegreatduckchase.com, and find everything you need to know to get registered and spread the word. And if anybody would like to be a part of it, maybe purchase a duck for the race, or if they want to be a sponsor, where do they go to learn more information? Absolutely. You can go to thegreatduckchase.com. That is specific for this event, or anytime you can visit thegreatchase.org. And great is spelled G-R, and then the number eight, the letter T, thegreatchase.org or thegreatduckchase.com. The duck chase is coming up just around the corner. You also have a run that's going to be held. That run is held, what, each October? It is, yes. We have uh, been blessed to host this event six times previously. This is our seventh annual Great Chase 5K that's coming up on Saturday, October 29th. That kicks off at 8 a.m. It's a Ruthie's Award-winning race. It's an amazing event, lots of great runners. We chip time it for all the competitive racers, and we also welcome fitness levels of every possible scope. You can run it, you can walk it, you can jog it, whatever works for you. We're there for the cause to help families. And again, more information can be found online at thegreatchase.org. Again, Steve Yates with us this morning talking about The Great Chase. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door. If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, go to demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. What were you doing 25 years ago? Jenny May and Dr. Carl Adams dreamed of a beautiful tree-filled campus for senior citizens. On Friday, September 16th, that dream celebrates 25 years. Come to Adams Place and enjoy games for kids and adults, entertainment and food trucks. It's free, Friday, September 16th at Adams Place. 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. Two powerful FM signals, one AM signal, and worldwide on WGNSRadio.com. You can listen to us anywhere. We are WGNS Murfreesboro. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 8.32. Again, you're listening to WGNS on this Friday morning, today, the 26th of August. Now, anything that you hear on the air, you can hear the podcast of the show on our website. Just click on the podcast section, and there you'll find, well, in just a little while, you'll find today's show on there. So uh, if you want to go back and listen to anything you hear, just go to the podcast section at WGNSRadio.com. And now we're joined by J.C. Bowman this morning with Professional Educators of Tennessee. How are you this morning? Doing good. How are you doing, Scott? I am good. Well, it seems like we've heard a lot of news lately about teachers and there being a shortage of teachers. Yes, sir. And it's continuing to... Uh, be across the state i mean we 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 keep chipping away at it and getting it smaller and and the numbers down but uh there's still 
uh, at our estimation right now about 500 across the state probably 25 40 here in uh, Rutherford County. Wow. So uh, about 500 or so across the state and then here locally, at least 40. Uh, well, they need at least 40 teachers, I guess. Um, and, and I know they continue not only Murfreesboro City Schools, but the county schools, they continue to hire folks and they've got new programs even to hopefully bring in new people who maybe never thought about teaching before. Yeah, the Grow Your Own program is one of them. And, uh, you know, one of the programs, we, we actually broke the story here when we had Mark White on as a call-in when we were here a couple weeks ago. We were looking at doing a, uh, a teacher core type program uh, to go out and help people to bring that in. And uh, we've subsequently followed up with uh, Chairman White on uh, some of the parameters we're looking at to do that. So maybe like the first two years, because we're already paying for uh, two years of college right now with Tennessee Promise. So maybe we could use some of those students in for tutoring. And then the last two years, probably in some of the more classes that they could go into and do that. So that would be uh, with a university, you could probably work that. And there's another program called Troops for Teachers. And we really let that come and go. But Tennessee's one of the most populous states of veterans. And, uh, you know, so Florida's just uh, Florida's had a huge problem with teaching. So they they've really unveiled and they're looking to bring veterans into the classroom because we also recognize that one of the biggest issues we face are discipline issues. Yeah. And so veterans bring a lot of discipline issues. But there's some veterans that will be great. Yeah. Uh, some of my Marine Corps buddies. Uh, I'm not so sure because I was in the <laughs> Marines and I don't know necessarily we want those guys in the classroom. So <laughs> now we do. But we, we want to bring teachers and get uh, wherever we can find them from. And veterans who are retiring, uh, who may have a degree, may be working toward a degree. I mean, uh, that would be a great thing for them to go into and spend the last time. Definitely. Again, J.C. Bowman with us this morning with Professional Educators of Tennessee and talking a little bit about that whole teacher shortage and, and what you just brought up about the uh, committee chair over – the uh, committee chair White is over what now? The education – well, there's, there's two various committees. One's administration and supervision. The other's like programs. And, and uh, there, so it's split chair. But, but Mark White has been the chair of K-12 in general. And they split it up a little bit. But he, he is in charge of where the money gets spent. And so the administration side of it. And so he is the chairman of K-12 administration education. So uh, between he and Chair Lady Moody, uh, they pretty much uh, set the agenda for the state. Okay, and White's the one who brought up the idea, similar to Peace Corps, where you have a teacher corps, where you basically try out teaching for two years and give it your all, see if it's something you like enough to stay in, and hopefully the state would get a lot of teachers that way. Has that actually come to come to a bill yet or is it new legislation that's going to be introduced well there's an old program actually that started in 65 under uh, lyndon johnson and it kind of got it morphed into a program called teach for america huh and they stole it was dormant i mean we at one point we had surplus teachers where you didn't have to go out and recruit and and we kind of let it go but what we've missed in the process is that our population has gotten older uh, with teachers and uh, so you've got a lot of veteran teachers I mean this is that goes back to the numbers that we've been telling you I mean there's there's basically 7,500 teachers that could walk out today they they're, they're eligible they're, for they're eligible for retirement and you've got another 2,500 or 3,000 that come come available uh, in by 2024 so you're going to have 10,000 teachers out of the 75,000 teachers in the state that could leave and and then plus you're already constantly upheaval there's about 15 percent turnover 
Uh, so with that, I mean, if, if they leave in addition to it, we're really going to be, and, and the numbers of students going into teaching are just continuously declining since 2015. So by 2024, there is the potential of having a 10,000 number teacher shortage here in Tennessee and, and middle Tennessee would be hit really hard by that. Yeah, because we're growing and it's, it's such, that's part of the problem with, uh, Rutherford County, you're growing so fast. I mean, you're now the fourth most populous uh, community in the na- in the state of Tennessee, and and in this whole metro area with, and I know people don't probably like that term, but but the mer- metropolitan Rutherford County area is is continuously to grow, and uh, and uh, you know because I live out toward uh, the New Century Farms, and that's where I, I'm, you know, I live between Rutherford County and and uh, Nashville, and and I that place is just exploding. Yeah, and here in Rutherford County, I, I know the Rutherford County school system, their official numbers of students will be released, I think, Labor Day, somewhere around there. But they already have a little over 50,000 students this year, which is the biggest number I think they've ever seen. And then City of Murfreesboro, they're right at 10,000 almost. So once you combine those two, the City of Murfreesboro system with Rutherford County school system, we'd be over Knox County, I think. Oh, yeah. You're, you're heading toward uh, a, a continued explosion. And, and, you know, it's an attractive community. And, uh, you know, I, I love M- Murfreesboro. It's one of my – my great-grandfather was born here. So I, I, I absolutely love this community. And I think, you know, you watch it. It, it offers everything. It's quality of life. And you've got people and people from California. Yesterday I was in an event last night, and probably half the people were from California have relocated here. I mean, you know, Nashville's become the third coast. And so people are coming here, and then they're going, well, you know what? Nashville's just too much. I want to move a little bit out and get a little better quality of life. And Rutherford County is that place. Yeah, definitely so. And Rutherford County is one of the fastest-growing cities, or counties, rather, you know, in the entire state. And when you look at it across the country, Murfreesboro is one of the fastest-growing cities, and so is Smyrna across the country. I mean, we're seeing big numbers move here. Yeah, and, and rightly so. But but coupled with that, you're going to have growth. I mean, I think the numbers of growth that they're anticipating here in Rutherford County uh, would equal one school. I mean, yeah. that's that's you're, you're looking at the numbers. It's it's you know uh, of the number that'll increase. It'll be one entire school. And so, how do how do you address that issue of growth? I mean, you're constantly going to be building, maintaining, and uh, with that, I mean, here's here's the thing. You know, educators go to school. Uh, to study how to educate children. You look at the pedagogy and all that other uh, stuff, you know, subject matter expertise. And uh, people don't realize that when you get a degree in education at MTSU, if you're going to teach biology, you actually get a biology degree. People think this false sense that you're getting a degree in education and, you know, this whole thing. You're getting a biology degree or a math degree or whatever, and then you're adding on additional stuff to teach. So, so it's kind of kind of a little more of a uh, an approach, but what's happening with that is that you're um, you know you're running out of teachers to to being willing to do this because if you get a degree in biology, you could go make more money in the medical field around here. You can, I mean, there's there's all sorts of great medical companies here in the, in this area, and so they're they're not doing it. Math is the same way. Uh, special education. I mean, I, I was yesterday, I've been working, one of our big pet projects we've always worked on was mental health. 
And uh, so we've been looking at that. We we got money allocated. I think it was five hundred million a couple years ago allocated uh, to spend toward children's mental health. And that money hasn't been spent. So I've been looking at how are we going to design programs because our schools are dealing with and right here in Rutherford County. I mean, there's there's programs. I mean, kids are on the cusp of getting suspended or expelled. They just don't adjust well. And uh, so and, and, you know, I've talked about this before, but how do we help those kids before they get down a path of criminal activity or whatever else? And it may just be. They just don't, don't know how to do life. They don't have a responsible adult in their life. There's nobody guiding them. And so, you know, we're taking on so many things with our teachers. But back to the building aspect, our teachers are educators. They're not building experts. So I, I, it's got to be some responsibility more with your county commission and uh, some experts on planning. Uh, in Florida, what we had at the state level, was we hired the best two people in districts uh, that know how to build schools, knew how to do building processes, know how to do that. Um, you know, we had a, you know, you go through a book and you look at it and you say, okay, I need a school for 1500 kids. Here's, here's plans, A, B, C, D, and E. And, uh, you know, but we, we, you know, even just designing a school, Scott, you're looking at probably a million dollars in architectural fees. Definitely. So many things have changed over the years. Again, our guest today, executive director of the professional educators of Tennessee, JC Bowman. I know the new county school director, Dr. Sullivan, was on the air with us recently, and he was talking about, well, same things you're saying, is that one year of growth of students here in Rutherford County is literally the size of some school districts alone in other areas of Tennessee. Yeah, and, they're, and again, they're moving here. I mean, we know a lot have come over from Cannon County, have moved across the line. Uh, I mean, you know, you all have done a pretty good job with your schools. Uh, I mean, certainly, I, I think, it, you know, you've looked at your school board. It's been a lot of turnover, a lot of people unsatisfied with that. You've seen a lot of uh, uh, superintendents change uh, since, since Mr. Odom left. And uh, you've seen, you know, you had, a, um, you had one in between. I think Mr. Sullivan's going to do a good job. Uh, he seems to be very uh, focused in on academics and data, and he's letting data driven. It's not so much emotional, but they're going to get caught up in the political game as well, where they have to hire certain people and they put people in for political reasons. That's the ugly part to schools and teachers. I, I, I we talk about it, but teachers feel the politics yeah. uh, every day, and and they're they're getting fed up a little bit with that, and they leave and. You know, that you see people get promoted and you, you've worked, you got to, you may have a master's in administration or, or whatever, and you want to move up into the career ladder. And they bring somebody from uh, Kentucky down here to be your uh, principal, your high school, and you're going, hey, wait a minute, you know, uh, this is my community. And yeah. you feel frustrated with it and you feel like you know the people better. Now, one positive here, I, I do know that they approved a salary increase for teachers and that went into place this school year. And now the county is doing a study on, future salary increases, what their pay structure looks like. And, you know, I, I've looked at other communities across the nation, and I see that some are going as far as even offering living, you know, housing for teachers. I, I've never thought I would see that before. Well, hey, and Scott, one of the bills we have, we have a bill called the HEROES Program at the U.S. Congress, which would become like a veterans-type bill where you would allow low-interest uh, housing for teachers and first responders and firemen and police officers and, so and the like. It's called the Heroes Act. So they'd be able to buy a house at a lower interest rate uh, under this this act. Well, well the problem, like in in Nashville, and even getting here now. I looked at my old house. I had a house in Smyrna. Speaking of that, so I had a house in Smyrna that I sold and. 
uh, 2000 for $150,000. Uh, it's on the market for almost five hundred thousand. Isn't it wild? Yeah, and I yeah. mean, you know, my my daughter sent it to me last night, and 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 I'm going, wow! I should have held on to the house. Yeah, it's amazing how much the price of a home has gone up over the past just three years alone. But but so that the teachers cannot afford to live in the communities in which they serve, which then means they don't know the community, which is a loss. So we got to figure out how to do that. So one of the things, you know, we've even looked at maybe making it a state program. So how do you do this and, and do that? I'm, I don't want, and I say this all the time because I feel like all citizens bring value. Taxpayers are all paying in money. And I'm not trying to get anything that, you know, for our teachers that others don't have. But you got to be realistic about it. You're not going to get uh, people to go into teaching if there's not incentive for them to be there. Uh, because they're willing to sacrifice pay. They know when they go into teaching that you're not doing it for the salary. Well, you know, the, the new county school director brought up something interesting, and I never really thought about it until he said it he said you know we're not seeing as much growth in those elementary level students you know those who are in k through sixth grade we're, we're not seeing a lot of growth there compared to the middle and high schools and he said it's because those are newer families and they literally cannot afford to move to murfreesboro or rutherford county because of the price of homes being so high so a lot of their growth is coming from the middle and high school levels of more established families and that tells me it is going to be harder for them to bring in new teachers, first-year teachers who've never taught before because they're not going to be able to afford to live here, just like what you're saying. Yeah, and the other thing is with that, I think you see homeschooling, and I'm not, you know, we're, we're, we're agnostic toward that, but homeschooling, you can homeschool a child up to a certain level until you feel comfortable to a certain level, but by middle school, they're, they're, they're beyond you. Yeah, I mean, people people try to think that you know we're dumbing down curriculum and it's hard and everything. I tell people, I go, all right, go take a fifth grade test. Yeah, it's you know, totally different. Yeah, you know, we made a TV show. Go, well, are you smarter than a fifth grader? I, I mean, you know, Jeff Foxworthy, and we saw it, and 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 I think that you know where we've gotten, and and you can't compare 1972 to 2022 but it's a whole different body of knowledge and technology and i'm working on something on that right now the technology that's here now has is and i mean we, we have to wait for our nine-year-old grandson to come over and help us with our computer now i mean you know hey hurry get zachary over here we got to get this fixed you know even looking back to the 1990s they were still having typing classes for typewriters in the 90s Compared to, you know, today's times, well, they don't have any type of typing class. They have, you know, IT classes and other computer-related classes. But it wasn't that long ago that they were still teaching typing in school. No, that's exactly. And, and, and we're doing some of the same things. And uh, part of, and, and, and I don't know if we've done any controversy, but I'll throw some controversy for you. You know, the, the textbook thing, the libraries and the age-appropriate acts and some of the things that we've passed somewhat are detrimental because, you know, we're, we're taking material out of kids' hands. I understand there's some things that we don't want in kids' hands, and it has to be age-appropriate. It should have parental permissions. I get all that. But, but part of, like, legislation, when you pass it, it needs to be have time to be integrated into the thing. And we pass stuff. And, and like right now, teachers are boxing up books rather than letting kids have access to it when they can turn right around and go on the Internet and get anything they want. It's like we're, we're passing laws that are, are archaic to address problems that a child can go right on the Internet and flip over and find out anything they want to find out about and their parents do not know it. When it comes to history and history classes in today's times, 
you know, even, you know, my daughter graduated high school just a year ago. Right. But I remember even her history classes, they were not teaching a lot of, it seemed like, really significant historical facts. Instead, they were focusing on a lot of little things that, to me, were not as historic. No, that's exactly, and, and I'm an old history teacher, so you're, you've come right into my my areas. I love this. So, you know, there's two ways to look at history. There's history, which is a chronicle of events, which is how the British teach history of Western civilization. And there's a German version called Geschichte, which is a, and I may be butchering the word, but what it means is what it is and why is that important. We have lost, we, we have focused so much on this chronicle of events part of it. We've forgotten why things are important. Why was the Constitution? Why did we fight a revolutionary war? Why have we done this? And, and, but the other part of the problem is it is too much to cram into one year. And I remember even as a history teacher 20 years ago, the hardest part I could do would be to get to, through Vietnam. Yeah. And, and when you look at today's times, there are so many significant historical things that happened over the last 20 years, over the last 30 years alone, that they're not really touching base on. I mean, big things that it seems like they're leaving off. Yeah, I mean, like, think about the Challenger disaster. 1984. You can, uh, 2000, yeah. you know, look, at, look at September 11th, which we're going to be, you know, we're going to have a, uh, mark that date here soon. And, uh, I mean, all of the things that have come since then, and we don't even get to it. But things that are happening current in your life. Yeah. So and, how and do we? It's not necessarily the local school's fault though i mean because some of this is to blame on well it's at the state level who decides this is going to be the curriculum this is going to be the book or the books that you're going to be using so who do we talk to about this yeah so right now social now we're going to be adopting new math textbooks i would argue that you know as, as far as basics go the foundational skills numeracy is the key word it's it's math and 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 that the math and sciences uh, and, and even science has changed to an extent, you know, what, what, what we understand at this point in time versus what we understood 50 years ago. Uh, but then you've got um, reading. I mean, read literacy and numeracy. Those are the two things. Those are two things that are almost constant and unchanging. So we could focus in on those on the basics. The other part we can spread. But now the social studies standards, they're starting to look at those right now. And um, as we start moving forward, the, the, the Tennessee school, State School Board, the Board of Education, Tennessee, uh, has, has kind of put out some stuff on uh, social studies. And you've got people who come in with an agenda. They're selling books who push an agenda. I want this included, which because why they want it included is because it's in their book that they're trying to sell to you. And, and so what we've got to really do is take a hard look at it. I think we almost need more citizens and input from that rather than experts. I mean, sometimes, you know, and, and let teachers have more of a voice. Teachers really get excluded from it because they're actually at work doing the job. So they don't get to have an input. So, you know, during the summer, maybe, you know, putting it online and getting people to come in and look at it, put it online for you. I'll, I'll make sure anything that we get, we pass on to you. You know, I'm just curious. I never really thought about the whole textbook thing until you just started talking about it. But with the textbooks, is it kind of like pharmaceutical sales where you have salesmen for textbook companies who come to the door of the 
of the state school board or whatever, and they say, hey, these are the latest books we have. We'd like to offer them to you for X amount of dollars. Is that how it works? Somewhat. What they do is they put out a list of standards. Here's our standards, blah, 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 blah. What textbooks do they do? That's why they wanted to go to Common Core was because they could go out and they could sell books for all 50 states. It would be, you know, I mean, the big market, California, New York, Texas, if they sell them there, they're going to sell them here. Yeah. And so it's the kind of the thing. So we go, you know, that's the big argument. Have we gotten rid of Common Core? The answer is probably not. You know, and I think it would be totally okay if, let's say, the West Coast, the, the California area, their history textbooks are totally different from the ones being used in the South. Because I think we also need to bring into stuff like history you know, if you live in the South, we'll bring in more Southern history topics. If you live on the West Coast, then focus more on local history there. That way, the people who are growing up, our kids, they're able to learn the area in which they've grown up because the chance is good. They're going to remain in this area, at least somewhere close to this area, when they go into the job field in the future. Yeah, and the, like, for example, Tullahoma. People don't realize that. But they developed the landing module for the Mars, the the, the vehicle that landed on Mars. There's so much history so in history. Tullahoma, yeah. And we don't, we don't even talk about that. That's not in our history book. Stones River, we don't talk about some yeah. of the battles. Tennessee, the second most populous state for Civil War battles. We don't even address it. And the Battle of Stones River, I mean, so many thousands died in that battle right here in our own backyard. Then you have Franklin nearby. I mean, but that's that's not always talked about in the classroom in history. No, and you don't get opportunity to appreciate it. You don't get to address it and everything else. And so anyway, but I, I knew I brought Kaylee with us. <laughs> Kaylee came. Kaylee's in our office, but I don't want to cut her off. But she she brings a real fresh perspective for us, for teachers, because we have to reach a whole new market of educators as well because they're coming along and they don't and, and we criticize them that they may not have some of the knowledge that we have, but we haven't stressed it all the way through their teaching career. Yeah, it, things have changed a lot over the years, uh, but history is history. So that's something that, you know, we need to re-examine how we teach that, I think. Um, but then mathematics, another thing you brought up there, you said new books are coming into play. Is it this school year or next school year? Yes, they're adopting them now. And so that's, that's going to be coming up probably in December. They'll put it out. And uh, I think they've already had some meetings initially on it. And then we've expanded our textbooks because our textbook commission is going from, I think, 9 to 12. And they're going to have three additional positions that are, that are put on there. Uh, that are going to be citizens, uh, librarians, I think, may be included. And they're looking at books that are in classrooms. They've, they've redefined what a library is. So it's any book that you include in a classroom. So that's caused all of our teachers to have to actually go in and, you know, they're having to categorize their books. I mean, some teachers over their 30-year career will, will acquire, I mean, I left hundreds of books on my shelf when I when I left teaching because I knew they would be an advantage to kids I mean uh, books from like Animal Kingdom and you, you try to put books in kids hands and you're not trying to dictate what they learn you're trying to give them something that they can look for and I used to read everything I could get my hands on and you probably did too Scott yeah I, I love learning about just stuff but but uh, history especially but I, I just love learning about new things yeah, and, and so what we've done is we've, we've really hurt ourselves, I think. Here, we go and spend millions, if, if not a billion dollars, toward literacy and reading, 
And at the same time, we come in and say, we're going to take books out of the classroom and take and, and do things because we don't want kids to read stuff. I mean, it, it seems like we're, you know, and again, and then they can go right on the internet and find it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's got to be more of a bigger, broader, and we should have these discussions over time. I mean, I think we all want the same objective. We want our kids reading good stuff and have a good knowledge base and, and then go out and do good things. Um, so that we can continue on and pass that torch to the next generation. Again, J.C. Bowman on the air with us this morning. He is the executive director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. And members of the Professional Educators, what teachers all over the state? Yes, sir. And uh, that's, you know, we, we're, we're honored to serve teachers in this state. They can join where, you know, people try to put, point us as an alternative. We think we're the front runner. We're, we'll let the union be an alternative to us because we really feel like we serve our educators with legal benefits. Um, you know, we have uh, professional development. We, we feel like our professional development is second to none. So we really feel good about what we're doing and offering our teachers. And we do it at less than $200, where union dues are like 650 so. I know we only have like a minute left, but as we close this morning, the average pay for a new teacher with their bachelor's degree, I know in Rutherford County, I think when I last saw it, I know they did this pay raise recently, was around forty six to 48000 a year. What What is the average, though, across the state? Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was that high, but I think that I think that's probably the average of, of, of all teachers, but, okay. but and it may be a little bit higher than that, but uh, normally for a starting teacher, starting salary is now 38000 38, It was, was 375 last year, so we think it's about 385 this year with, with the additional things, but we had teachers tell us that the raise that went in effect this year mm-hmm. uh, averaged about $25 more a paycheck. Uh. Not not much then. Not much. Again, J.C. Bowman with us, and that is going to do it for this morning's show. Uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in, and thank you for joining us, J.C. Uh, thank you so much. Time it's right just... now, 8.59, and uh, coming up next, local news. So stay with us. If Thanks, you're Scott. looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.